You may be seated. Our gospel lesson this day comes from Luke's gospel, the 10th chapter, starting in verse 38. I invite you to hear these words. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Mary, sorry, a woman named Martha, welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken away from her. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, let the words in my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O oh Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Sabbath is a time to transition from human doings to human beings, writes Matthew Sleeth in his book 24-6. We are so convinced in our culture that we are what we do that we all believe it to a certain degree. I think this makes the concept of grace particularly hard for us to accept. For grace is founded in the idea that you can do nothing to earn or to deserve God's love. In fact, all of us have done things to push God away, and yet God still loves us and welcomes us. You are precious and beloved by God. This is what we realize. This is what we remember and live into on the Sabbath. This week, we aren't going to talk anymore about why the Sabbath is important. If you haven't heard the first three weeks or this is your first time connecting with us, I invite you to check out the first three sermons on the podcast or on YouTube. I've presented this idea that God has a design for self-care, and it's called the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, we recognize that we are free from being slaves to Pharaoh, that we are invited to truly rest and that we are given a gift that is not just self-indulgent. So today we're going to talk about how to Sabbath. I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments of how to Sabbath. Now I recognize that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, because the whole point about this series about Sabbath is to not make it more difficult and more law-abiding. But I'm not just adding more rules to the commandment for you to follow. I just came up with a list of ten things in all honesty and thought it was convenient, so that's what I'm calling it. So the first four commandments focus on how to prepare for the Sabbath. They focus on what you need to do ahead of time to actually practice the Sabbath. And the last six focus on how to Sabbath on the actual day of the Sabbath. This is simple stuff. It's not hard to understand. It's not even all that theological. So it will probably be the hardest to do. I confess to you, I don't do all of these things every week. But I present them to you as a goal so that you can be empowered in your life to Sabbath. Commandment number one, take control of your schedule. If you're working, you probably feel like someone else is always telling you what to do. You have to be here and there. You don't have a lot of free time, and there is always a ton on your plate. 
If you're retired or not working, you probably feel like there is always someone telling you what to do. You have to be at endless appointments, you're taking care of others, and there is always a ton on your plate. Here's the reality. We can't say yes to everything. If you're someone who always says yes to every opportunity, especially if it seems good, you've got to stop. If you practice Sabbath, it will kind of force you to do this some. Peter Scazzaro writes in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, the Sabbath calls us to build the doing of nothing into our schedules each week. Nothing measurable is accomplished. By the world's standards, it is inefficient, unproductive, and useless. End quote. You have to take control of your schedule if you want to actually keep the Sabbath. You'll have to say no to things, go shopping on another day, run errands another time, do the laundry beforehand. This leads to a related commandment. Look at what you won't miss on your calendar. If you're keeping score at home, this is number two. Look at what you won't miss on your calendar. There are things that are movable on all of our calendars, and there are things that are not. We won't miss the doctor appointment, because if we don't go, it will be another three months to try to get on their schedule. We won't miss the football or basketball home game. People are counting on us to tailgate. We won't miss the kids' practice or game. But it is so easy to miss the Sabbath. Like we kind of pencil it in, thinking it's important, but we will quickly schedule right over it. Our calendars often show us what our priorities are. In the Gospel story today, Jesus tells Martha, You are worried and distracted by many things. Can I get an amen? It's like Jesus could substitute my name in. Kevin, Kevin, you are worried and distracted by many things. We are constantly too busy. As a parent, I hear from older parents all of the time, enjoy these times, they go by way too fast. And I try to heed that advice with my own children. But I wonder in our relationships with God, does our calendar show that we prioritize many other things than God? Do we enjoy the time to rest with God, or does that seem kind of superfluous to us, kind of like an add-on? Something that people that are holier or less busy can do, but not me. Matthew Sleeth, who I've quoted a lot from his book this time, he began his Sabbath practice as an emergency room physician, writes, It took a while for me to feel as good about resting on Sabbath as coming home from a productive day at work. Work seemed more real. I get that. Whenever I take a true Sabbath, or at least a full week's vacation, it takes me so long to unplug and to actually feel good about it. I feel lazy or like I need to be accomplishing something. But Sabbath reminds us we are human beings, not human doings. Commandment number three, start small. This is an easy one, but it needs to be said. If you are not practicing Sabbath really at all right now, Don't try a 24-hour one right away. Ease yourself into it. Maybe you could schedule a Saturday evening through Sunday lunch Sabbath. Maybe you try an entire afternoon. Start with six hours. Move to 12. It's not that hard to do 12 if you include sleeping. And give yourself grace. You're trying. That's better than you were doing before. And as you try this practice, you'll want more of it. So start small and be kind to yourself. Number four, prepare. The day of preparation is an essential part of the Jewish Sabbath practice. 
There are errands to run. I imagine the day of preparation like the grocery run, laundry, bill paying, house cleaning kind of day. We all need days like those. Those are not Sabbath. Some young parents who wonder, how in the world could I ever practice Sabbath, find that having something like Sabbath toys or a Sabbath breakfast helps. This is the perfect morning for the donuts to be on the counter so you can sleep in. Or having a special box of toys that we only bring out on the Sabbath day. The reality is if we're going to Sabbath, we've got to prepare. We have to figure out how the stuff is going to get covered so that we can take this time. It takes intentionality. All right, so that's how we get ready to Sabbath. Now we'll look at the day itself. How do we do Sabbath on the Sabbath day? Number five, stop. One way that some people practice Sabbath or even call it something different for their own lives is by calling it a stop day. In order to get off the carousel of progress, we have to stop. We have to have a clear point where Sabbath begins for us. For our Jewish friends, that was sundown on Friday. This isn't just about a literal stop. It's also a metaphorical stop. We need to stop our brains from spinning in the constant deluge of work and chores and information and obligation. Stopping might take a long time to get good at. You might need to practice Sabbath for years before you can truly stop. Stopping is the important place to start. Pete Scazzaro writes, On Sabbath I embrace my limits. God is God. He is indispensable. I am his creature. The world continues working fine when I stop. The core spiritual issue in stopping revolves around trust. Will God take care of us and our concerns if we obey him by stopping to keep the Sabbath? End quote. The world will keep spinning if I stop. The world will keep spinning if you stop. How we practice Sabbath says a lot about how we trust God. Just like the practice of tithing shows a lot about how we trust God, how we essentially tithe our time shows us how much we trust God. So we have to stop. Number six, get away from technology. The technology that we have allows us to do and to access amazing things. I do not hate technology. But the technology that we have also forms addictive behaviors in us. This is especially true with our smartphones. I pick mine up when I don't want to. If it's in my line of sight, I'm aware of its presence and I'm waiting for it to go off. There are scientific studies about what all of those dings and alerts do to our brains. I'm not here for that today. All I'm saying is that we need to step away from the phone, from the email, from the work. And a lot of our work involves technology. And just so you know, scrolling mindlessly through social media doesn't count as rest. Probably the opposite. Number seven, go outside. If at all possible on your Sabbath, go outside. If you're not a hiker or outdoorsy person, at least take a walk around your neighborhood, sit outside on your porch, open a window and sit next to it. Maybe not when it's 100 degrees like the past few days, but whatever, you get my point. It's amazing how rejuvenating it is for me to spend ample time outside. Growing up, I used to make fun of my dad, like we all do, when he relished being outside. Now I've become my father, don't we all? 
It feels like Sabbath when I go to the lake with my family or go hiking or go up rock climbing or eat every single meal of the day outside or go to the Bulls game or cook outside or help the kids bike ride or walk the dog longer than our usual up and down the street route. This is my father's world, the hymn sings. Then go out into that world. The fresh air is good for you. Number eight, feast. A big part of the Jewish Sabbath centered on a meal. We know that every major holiday was commemorated around a table. If possible, spend time around the table with people you care about. Maybe make something that's fun or a recipe that's only made for special occasions. Maybe have candles out on the table when you never have candles out, whatever it is. We've taken having a full three-course fondue meal with the kids from time to time on the Sabbath. Not all the time. It takes longer, but at least they're doing something. They love it. It's good to be together, and food tastes good. And so we get to delight in food, in the company, and in God. Number nine, pay attention. When Jesus talks to Martha in this passage, he reminds her that one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. Martha is busy doing lots of things. She is busy doing what was culturally expected of her as a woman of the house. Mary was actually way out of line. Culturally, she was supposed to be in the kitchen getting everything ready. Instead, she was sitting like a man at Jesus' feet. And Jesus doesn't rebuke Mary. He applauds her. For she has left everything just like a disciple does to follow Jesus. Martha, on the other hand, is acting like the thorny soil. In this case, the word of God is literally in her house. And she is distracted by the worries and cares of this world and is choking out the very word of God. When we pay attention on the Sabbath, it helps us pay attention throughout the week. The Sabbath rhythm helps us look for God sightings all throughout our week. Matthew Sleep talks about how we often only look for God when we experience difficult things like illness or loss or ruin. But when we practice Sabbath, it helps us experience wonder. So in his practice, he keeps a running list throughout the week of things that remind him of God. And then on the Sabbath, he reads through his list, thanking God for all these ways God has been active in his life. Where did you see God today is a question that we ask as a church. We ask about our measure of passion. This is a question that encourages us just to pay attention. On the Sabbath, we can slow down enough to see all of the ways that God is working and has been working. We can be truly aware and grateful. Number 10, sleep. Whether this means sleep in or if sleeping in your house would mean everyone being asleep until 6.30, please, Jesus, allow your body to rest. If you can get an afternoon nap in, do it. If you can lay down on a hammock, definitely do that. Many of us are so accustomed to going all of the time that we just aren't rested. Try to live into fully resting on the Sabbath. So that's it. You made it through my Ten Commandments. Now you know exactly how to Sabbath. I truly hope you're able to glean things from two or three of these points today to help you increase your Sabbath practice. I challenge you to take a step forward 
in that Sabbath practice. If that means going from nothing to something, that's great. Do it. If it means adjusting your schedule so that your day off and your Sabbath are not the same thing, do it. If that means starting a new practice where Saturday dinner is always a feast, do it. God has given us this gift of Sabbath. May we accept this gracious gift. Would you pray with me? Lord God, as we come to the close of this time discussing Sabbath, we pray that in this way that that we would truly find the hope and the joy and the invitation that you offer to be close to you, to be connected to you, the true vine, and be connected to one another through Sabbath. God, we admit that we are harried and frenzied, that oftentimes our, our, our brains feel like they're firing at so quickly that for us to slow down seems like this massive luxury, and yet you built that into how we are to live. You built that into what it means to be a human. So God, I pray that you would help us, help us each, wherever we are in, in, in Sabbath practice, to each take a step towards getting better. To each take a step, not just getting better at it, but, but God, to be communing with you in this time. And God, to truly be living into the types of people that you call us to be, centered on you and, and, and able to serve one another well. Thank you so much for this gift of Sabbath that you offer to us in Christ's name. Amen.